Thank you, worship team. Morning, church. So good to see you this morning. My name is Stephen Elliott. I'm the pastor of High School Ministries. And as uh, Tim, as Pastor Tim already shared, our senior pastor John had surgery this week. He had uh, surgery on his on his neck. I've got the details of it. Uh, it was a there was a, he had a pinched nerve uh, in his cervical in the cervical spine of his neck. Ugh. Uh, the five and a half hour surgery on Tuesday was performed, and to correct the condition, it was it was shooting like paint all down his all down his arm, um, and that was successful. But there's just a long recovery process. Anything, especially around the the neck, is pretty precarious. But uh, yeah, so our prayers do mean a lot to John. He is grateful for each of you. He misses us, and he loves us very much, and wanted me to wanted me to convey that to to all of you. Um, so I'll be preaching this morning, and uh, Jared Irvine will be uh, here next week as well, and we're going to start a series uh, after this uh, a Christmas series. Uh, right now, we're going to be wrapping up two different series at once, actually. We're going to be finishing up our, our Proverbs series. We've been in that series for quite some time, going through the book of Proverbs, uh, various texts and Proverbs, but then in, in November, as we always do, is our what we call our First Fruits series, where we are looking at... Uh, texts that specifically speak about generosity and gratitude, and it's a, definitely a time that we take each year uh, to, to reflect on how good God has been to us, how, how generous and how abundant God has been to us, and how we can return that, how, how we respond with generosity of our own. Uh, and so this series is going to be, as this series where we've been looking at specific Proverbs is going to be uh, discussing that when we're going to be talking about We've been talking about uh, different Proverbs that speak about generosity and abundance. And so this morning, if you've got your Bibles, open up to Proverbs 14, verse 31. This morning, we're really going to be looking at and and asking the question, what does it look like to be generous to those in need? What does it look like to be generous to those in need? Sam, could you bring me the clicker? I forgot to grab that. I just... I went to go like that, and that, that baby's not there. Thanks, Sam. I appreciate it. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate it, man. <laughs> There's no subtle way of doing that, so we'll just be straight up. <laughs> Proverbs 14.31 says this. It says, whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker. But he who is generous to the needy honors him. Let me read that one more time. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. Simply put, and that's kind of the, the joy of the Proverbs is they're in many ways they're kind of self-explanatory. There's not a whole lot to kind of look at and say, like, oh, I, wonder, I wonder what this means. But, but simply put, it, basically what the, what the writer is saying is that oppression to the, of the poor is an insult to the one who created them. Like, oppression to the poor is, is actually, is not just a mean thing to do, it's not just something we should avoid, but it is, it is actually an insult to the one who created them. However, on the flip side, generosity Generosity towards the needy, towards those in need, actually honors, worships, and glorifies the Lord. I'm going to walk through this text. We often don't do this enough where we, where we even break down a text almost, almost even word by word. We sometimes look at big chunks of Scripture, which isn't wrong, but I think it's also a good habit at times to just really 
get really narrow and look at and reflect on and meditate on even just one passage. And so we're going to do that this morning. We're going to really just break this down. We're almost going to go word by word through this passage and unpack and explain what this is talking about. So first of all, again, so, so keep your Bibles open. Keep your fingers on, on verse 31. First of all, the, the very first word, whoever, whoever, I think what this is telling us is that any one of us is capable, is absolutely, it is absolutely possible that any one of us is capable of, of falling into this. I think sometimes we look at this and says, whoever, is, whoever oppresses the needy, and we think, oh, I don't, I don't do that, and we just move on to the, next, to the next verse, and I would certainly hope not. But I think it's, it's, it's easy to just brush over that and, and not ask ourselves, is that me? Am I capable of doing that? And I think the answer is absolutely. I think the next question then should be, is it, is it possible that in some way, in some corner of my life, I am doing that? And so before I move on anymore, I'm going to stop and I want us to pray because I think, I think this is something that we need to invite and ask the Holy Spirit to, to speak to us about, to, to show us, to reveal in our hearts, is there areas, Lord, where there, are, where there are people in need around us, and I am turning a blind eye to them? Because I think this, this whoever is saying any and all of us can do this. So pray with me. And don't just, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask, like, don't just, don't just listen while I'm praying, but, but, but genuinely, and I am, I am inviting and asking the Lord to show me, and I pray that, that you are doing the same thing even now, because it's so, again, it's so easy for us to just, to just hear a text, hear a sermon, nod and say, yeah, you know, I, I, need to, I need to work on that, and I'm so guilty of the same thing. But we need to invite and ask the Lord to, to show us, so pray with me. Lord, we, we pause now, and this is, Lord, this is not something we do just like out of habit, Lord. This isn't something that this, this pausing now, we don't want this to be just something that's routine. We recognize, God, that your word that we are opening is, is not just some book of recommendations, but it is, it is the Holy Spirit inspired and preserved word that you breathed on the authors to speak to us even now. Like, Lord, you knew even when you were inspiring this text that we would be reading it this morning. And so, God, we ask and pray that you would reveal to us and show us if and where there are areas of our life that we are oppressing, whether intentionally or even unintentionally, Lord, where we are oppressing those around us in need because, Lord, as your word is revealing here, it is absolutely possible. Any one of us can be guilty of this, and, Lord, that is, that is not our heart. We do not want to insult you. We don't want to oppress those in need. But, Lord, we, just through our sin, it is so easy to be blind in so many ways. So, Lord, show us our pride. Show us our, our, our ignorance to those around us. Lord, that we might be a better reflection of how you reached down to us and met us where we were in, when we were in the, our greatest need. So show us, Lord, speak to us and speak through your word this morning. Amen. 
Again, friends, this is something that anybody can be guilty of, so we need to take this seriously. Our, our main point this morning, if you're taking notes, is, is simply this. To summarize this text is that our generosity reflects our gratitude to the Lord and our fear of the Lord. Our generosity is a reflection of our, our gratitude to the Lord as well as our fear of the Lord. And, and, and if you've been walking through these Proverbs, this series with us, you know when, when, when it talks about fear of the Lord, it is not this, it's not this idea, this, this fear that the Lord is unpredictable. You know, like, I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever been out in the wilderness or anything, but they always say like, hey, avoid Avoid bears, especially bears with cubs and things like that, because they're, they're highly unpredictable, because you, you don't know when or if they're, how they're going to react or if they're going to charge or if they're going to just totally leave you alone. So like, give, them, like, give them a wide berth. Just like, stay far, far away from them. And that is, that is, that is wisdom. Um, but the Lord is not like that. We don't, we don't fear the Lord because he's unpredictable. The Lord is actually very predictable. This is, this is having a healthy awareness of, of the gravity, of the power, of the magnitude of the Lord, of who the Lord is, of honoring and fearing the Lord, and that, and that we know that, that God is God. He is not just this nice elderly great-grandpa, this, this Santa Claus that just wants to just throw nice things at us all the time and just wants us to sit on his lap and, you know, and, and laugh with us. Like, no, the, like the Lord is God. And we need to have a, a healthy fear and respect of who he is. But we, need, we can trust him that he is absolutely predictable. And our generosity towards others is a reflection of how we see the Lord. Our generosity reflects how we view the Lord and, and, and the perspective by which we see him. So we need to get wisdom because our generosity reflects our gratitude to the Lord and our fear of the Lord. Next, next, next part of the section, again, keep your, keep your eyes and your, and your finger on verse 31. Whoever oppresses a poor man, whoever oppresses a poor man, oppression is, is a, it can be an, an ongoing, long, it, it often is this, this is, it's not just this one-time act, but it's often this ongoing, long-time act in which one person keeps another person down in order to elevate themselves. It's, it's elevating one person, it's elevating yourself at the expense of another person. Oftentimes, when we think of oppression, we think of intentional acts towards someone else. We think of malicious, premeditated, um, thought-out plans and plots in, you know, in which we, in which we you know, devalue, hurt someone in order, to, in order for personal gain. And that absolutely is one definition of oppression. Zechariah 7.10 speaks to that kind of oppression. It says, do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor. We, we would often say, and I'm going to probably use this phrase, the, the marginalized. I think that's a good term to speak very broadly about everyone which would be in that category. And, and when I, when, this morning when I'm talking about like the needy, the poor, the marginalized, again, these are, these are very broad terms. We often think in, in very small categories, like just poor is equals those who don't have money or homeless or something like that. And that, that can be part of that, that very wide category. But what I'm encouraging us this morning is to kind of broaden our eyes, kind of widen that category. And I think Zechariah does do a good job here of widening that category. He's not just speaking about 
homeless or poor, but he's saying the widow, the fatherless or orphans, the sojourners. There, there's, there's very broad categories to this. And, and Zechariah 7, 7.10 is, don't say, is saying, don't oppress those. Let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. You see, that's getting at that intentional, malicious plotting and planning against someone who is, has less worth or value than you by society's standards. It's saying, don't plot against that person. But I think, and this is where I think we, we need to be careful, and this is where I think we need to all search our hearts this morning, because I think it can be so much more subtle than that. I think it can take on so many more forms. Oppression can be a neglect, just simply a, a turning a blind eye towards, an ignorance towards, um, you know, just, just choosing not to see the poor, the marginalized, ignoring them. And Proverbs 21.13 speaks to this kind of oppression. It says, whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. Think about that. Whoever closes an ear, in other words, just simply ignores the cries of those in need when it is within their need to meet that need, or when it is within their ability to meet that need, I should say, excuse me. The Lord says, I don't even, I don't even hear it. Like, I ignore that person. Um, will himself call out and be answered. In other words, the Lord says, like, I will ignore that person. If you ignore the needs of those around you, I will ignore your needs. That is, that is something that we should take seriously. That's not something to be taken lightly. I think when, when we look at this, we need to, like, the, the idea that I'm really trying to convey this morning is that the Lord cares very much and scripture has a significant amount of things to say about the marginalized, about those in need, and how we need to be avenues, tools, hand, the hands and feet of the Lord for helping to meet those needs. I, did, I just did a topical search. There's, there's a website called Open Bible Info, and, and you can just look up like topical texts. And I just Googled, or I just, I just, in, that, in that search, I just said, like, what does the Bible say about the poor? I got nine pages of texts. I've got them all up here. I'm, don't worry, I'm not going to read them all. But literally, we could just spend the whole sermon just reading all of these. I'm just going to give you a quick spattering of them. James 1.27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Proverbs 22, 22 to 23, do not rob the poor because he is poor or crush the afflicted at the gate for the Lord will plead their cause and rob and rob of life those who rob them. Those are, those are heavy words. That's idea, that idea of fearing the Lord. Like that should make us shake a little bit. Galatians 2.10, only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. 1 John 3.17, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Deuteronomy 15.11, for there will never cease to be the poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. See, we often say, oh, there's so much need around us. Where do I even begin? How can I ever make a difference? The Lord says, that, that is absolutely true. They will always be there. And so, help meet that, that need. You shall open your hand to them. 
2 Corinthians 8, 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. I think we miss the, forget the, often the fact that, that Jesus Christ chose to identify by becoming a poor man. He could have become anything when he became human and he chose to become poor so that you by his poverty might be rich. Hebrews 13, 6, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to the Lord. Psalms 82, 3, Three through four, give justice to the weak and the fatherless, maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute, rescue the weak and the needy, deliver them from the hand of the wicked. It goes on and on and on. Friends, we cannot claim that we are Bible-believing, evangelical followers of Christ and ignore this much biblical evidence. We cannot look at this much text We cannot look at this much weight in Scripture and simply brush it off by saying, oh, God helps those who help themselves. They need to just take care of themselves. Like, Like, that's no big deal. This is, what I'm trying to convey is that God really cares about how we respond to those in need. And so we must, friends, we must take this seriously. If we claim to be followers of Christ who give weight to the Scriptures, who say that this really is the word of God. This isn't a book of suggestions, but this is God's word. If we claim that as truth and claim that we follow Christ, then we've got to take these things seriously. Oppression towards the poor asks the question, how can I continue to hoard more for my personal gain? Oppression says, how can I get more for me? How can I get more so, that my, so I can stay safe and secure in my abundance? Generosity towards the poor asks, how can I leverage my abundance to help meet the needs of those who have little? Let me say that again. Generosity towards the poor says, how can I leverage my abundance? How can I utilize what God has given me, what I am rich in, whatever that is, how can I utilize that to help meet the needs of those who have little? Paul gets to this point in second in 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. He says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty. And, and think about that. He's not saying, as for all the rich, tell them everybody, like the hard, fast rule, everyone just sell everything and everybody just walk down the street in their bathrobes. Like that, that's, not, that's not what the text is saying. That's, and I know Jesus told the, the rich young ruler that. That was his command. But, but that was also, that was a specific command to someone whose, whose wealth was keeping him between him and the Lord. I think this is, this is a better general rule for all of us. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, not to be proud, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. In other words, make sure for, for us who are incredibly wealthy, especially by the world's standards, we need to make sure that our security is not in our riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share and thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. In other words, for, for us who are incredibly wealthy, we need to have open hands. We need to have an open hands and open hearts, generosity, willing to share in our abundance with those who are in need and have, an, uh, and have a mind and an eye to, to look around and to see the needs. I think true wealth, I think what this text is saying is that true wealth and life is found in radical generosity. Let me say that again. True wealth 
and true life is found in radical generosity. And generosity is not just giving money to the poor. I think that is, that is one sliver of the, of the large scope of what Scripture calls us to when it says to be generous, to, be, to, to look for those who are in need and to, to meet the needs of those who have them. Again, just giving money to the poor, I think that, that is one part of it. And that may be what the Lord is calling you to do. But I think there's such a broader scope to that. And we're going we're gonna to get to that. We're going to get to that in a second in different ways in which we can do that. Um, I, think, I think the point is that we must have eyes, heart, hearts, and hands open. We must have eyes, hearts, and hands that are just simply open. Not just walking around blindly thinking about our own, our own world and our own needs and how we can get those needs met. But, but looking around saying, where are the needs? What has God given me? And how can I help meet, meet those needs? Next part, again, look at verse 31. Whoever oppresses the poor man insults his maker. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker. I think it's intentional that the writer used his maker instead of God. I think it's like the writer didn't make that by mistake because the writer is trying to get us to remember the fact that even the poor are made in the image of God. In fact, I would say, going back to the idea that Jesus became a poor man, I think it is no mistake that Jesus chose to identify with the, with the most poor and the most in need when he became man. I think he's trying to convey something to us. We need to remember that these people, even though they look different than us and they have different, you know, different religions, different, you know, they, they, they come in all different shapes and sizes, even though we would maybe disagree with their life choices and, and all of those things, these are still people who are made in the image of God. These are created beings that are made sovereignly by God, who does not make mistakes. And we need to look at these people and see that they have value. Although the world looks at them and says that they have no value because they don't give us anything, they are actually more of a burden, we need to not miss the fact that, that, that the marginalized have significant worth and value by God's standards. We need to look at these people as being made in the image of God, that they are, that the Lord is their maker. He's drawing us back to the truth that humans, all humans, all human life is made in the image of God and possesses special worth and value to him. And we place a, large, we place a value amount on people based on their income, based on their status, based on, based on their worth, based on what they give us, based on their political party, based on their color, based on their religion, we place different amounts of value on people based on those things. God does not do that. Human life matters to God, and when we devalue people, Scripture is clear that we insult God. I don't know if you've ever seen, ever watched like MMA competitions. I've, I've watched a handful over the years, but you see, especially like the heavyweight competitions, you see these guys, and they step into the ring, and it's like these two refrigerators just going toe-to-toe. I don't know if you've ever watched World's Strongest Man competitions. I love those things. Those things are so cool. Literally, these, these humans, they strap ropes around them and they pull buses. The humans pull buses. One man just pulls one. Or they have these big rocks that they just lift and they put up on these pillars and they go down this line and these rocks get bigger and they just do it effortlessly. I would never walk up to one of those men and tell them a yo mama joke. Like, that just seems dumb to me, right? Like, I, I don't, like, I've been known to maybe not do the smartest things in the world, 
but I would never do like that. Like that, I would never do that because these people could just lift me up with one hand. Literally, like the the, the things they lift up, the, like the like what they curl. I'm like that's my body weight, and they're doing that with one hand. I would never do that because these people could crush me easily. And yet, the Lord looks at those world's strongest man competitions and laughs. Because Scripture says that, in in Psalms it says that that he measures the galaxies by the span of his hand. Like, as large as the galaxies are, as as big and as strong as everything is, that's like, the Lord goes like that. Like, that's nothing to him. And Scripture says that when we oppress, whether intentionally or unintentionally, when we oppress the poor, that is an insult to the one that created them. Friends, that is something that should make us shake. That is something, when, when I talk about the, having a healthy fear of the Lord, that should cause us to have a healthy fear of Almighty God, who, who loves us, absolutely, but yet calls us to action. Second, second part of this, this proverb is that he who is generous to the needy honors him, and that him is talking about the Lord, I believe. He who is generous to the needy actually honors, worships the Lord. Again, we, we often think of, of singing as worship, and, and it is. But make no mistake, when we are open-handed to the needy, when we give generously out of our riches and out of our abundance, that is actually worship to Almighty God. That is, that is a song in the ear of God that honors and glorifies and praises God. When we give, that is no small thing. Just as, just as mighty and as powerful as, as God is, when we give even, even a little bit. And Jesus, I mean, Jesus talked about that with the, with the widow and the mites. I mean, that, that touched the heart of the Lord when this widow who had nothing gave everything that she had, even though it was very tiny, the Lord saw that as tremendous worship. So, so I want this also, I want this to inspire us, but I want this to encourage us as well. When we give, when the 200 Shoe boxes that we gave to orphans that we will never see this side of eternity, that, that live in other parts of the world that don't speak the same language as us, that is no small thing, Grace Community Church. When we give 52 food boxes to Gold Oak to families that are in need, when you just think, oh, I'm, I'm at the grocery store, I'm going to pick up a little bit extra, I'm going to donate this, so that, that is no small thing. That is worship to Almighty God. Be encouraged by your generosity. Because he who is generous to the needy honors the Lord. There is, I, I would say there is no more Christ-like thing that you can do than by seeing someone that in need and in your abundance going and meeting that need. Who did that more than, greater than anyone else? Jesus Christ. He saw us in our greatest need and left heaven and became man and lived among us and died to meet our greatest need. It is, a, it is one of the most Christ-like things you can do to when you give to those who are in need. <clears throat> And I, I, I honestly, like even just talking about the, the examples that I, was, that I was talking about, I struggle even referencing this and even encouraging this because I have seen such incredible Christ-like generosity from the people of this church. I, get, I, I, I am so privileged that I get to see so much that goes on behind the scenes. I can't count the times that I've had people call me up and say, hey, I want to send so-and-so to camp. I'm going to pay for it. I don't want you to tell them who it was from. Just tell them that somebody loves them and wants to see them go to beach camp or go to, go to winter camp or, or whatever else. 
I've seen that so many times, and it is such a joy to call them and say, like, hey, guess what? You know how you said you couldn't afford camp? Actually, now you're going because someone loves you enough, and they don't want you to know who it is, but they love you enough. They just want you to know that they love you, and they love the Lord, and they want to see you go to camp. Like, that is incredible generosity, and I've seen it over and over and over again. And so this is almost a, a difficult sermon to preach because I feel like this church does it so well. You have inspired me in so many ways. But I, I don't want us to rest on our laurels in this. I don't want us to, to say, like, ah, 90% is an A still. You know, I, I want us to continue to strive for more. Again, having that attitude of, all right, Lord, where are the corners in my life where I am ignorant to this? Where am I turning a blind eye to those who are in need? I think generosity, and so I want to talk about three ways that we can show generosity. Three ways that we can show true, Jesus-modeled, God-glorifying, God-fearing, grateful generosity. Because I think generosity asks the question, what am I rich in that other people are desperate for? Let me say that again. I think generosity just simply asks the question, what am I rich in that others are desperate for? I think three ways... Number one, I think, is, is our money and our resources. Again, I've, I've, I've talked about money, and I think that that's, that that's, that's absolutely true. Um, picture picture this, this illustration. And I've got this illustration in my mind. I, I think this makes sense. Um, we're just going to go with tools. Say that you walk into somebody's garage. I don't know if you like tools, if that's your thing or not, but just go with me. Say that you walk into someone's garage, and you look, and you're like, whoa, this is a cool shop. Like, they have every tool known to man. I mean, they're like, and it's like spotless. You know, you see these on these pictures on these advertisements, and, and you're like, whoa, you've got everything. And you, you look around, you're like, this is a, such a great shop. And you're looking, everything's on the wall, everything is, it's, you know, clean and where it's supposed to be. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're like, oh, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I love my shop. And you're talking to the person. And then you suddenly start looking around, you're like, wait a minute. And you look, and the price tags are still hanging on these tools. And you go, wait, wait, what? And you think, okay, maybe it's just a fluke. And you look, wait, no, you open up the drawers. No, price tags are still, so most of the things are still in their box, pristine condition. You look, everything is perfect and spotless. And you go, uh, do, do, like, do, do you use these tools? And when you ask the person that they, like, are taken aback at the, the idea of using the tools, and they're thinking, well, what if the tools get dirty? What if they get dented? What if they get damaged or something? And you go, well, like, I think, I think that's the point, is to use them, right? And the person just recoils at the idea of that notion of, like, well, but, but, but what if they get, what if I, what if they somehow get hurt? And they're missing the whole point, right? The tools are not meant to just sit there. The tools are meant to be used for a greater purpose. And I think we need to see our money and our resources, our things, our talents, our gifts, our abilities, as not things to hoard for personal gain, but things to be used to build the kingdom of God, things to be used for something greater than ourselves. The next one is, is value. In other words, I think, this, I think when, I, when I talk about value, and I was, trying to, I was wrestling with the exact words for this, but I think when, I, when we talk about value, I think it's, the question is, how can I be an advocate for someone else? Where do I have worth and value and significance? And not how do I just keep that for me, but how do I leverage my value to serve others? Just one example. I'm going to give you one example. I hope it illustrates the point. In our church, I think most of us, as I look around this room, I am very familiar 
with most of you. And I think most of us are very close. Many of us have been to church for a long time together. And we can walk from one part of this campus to the other and easily jump into almost any conversation with anybody and not feel like, oh, hey, what, who are you? Like, awkward. We have great value, worth, significance, influence here on this campus. I think generosity with our value means that we look around and we say, okay, who has that deer in the headlights look? Who has that look in their eye like, I don't know anybody here, and I feel really awkward and really out of place. I think seeing, like, like knowing that we are rich in value says, okay, where can I meet that person? How can I help get them more connected? How can I help make them feel more at home? How can I help give value, worth, significance to others to make them feel more at ease? How can I be an advocate for others? How can I use my influence in some way to be an advocate? And that's not just here at church. That's in your, that's in your home. That's in your workplace. You know, where, do you, where does your position in your workplace, how can you use that to be an advocate for others? So when I talk about value, that's, that's, what, I, that's what I mean. And the last one, the third one, is the gospel. Is the gospel. Friends, there is one thing. There is one thing that we who know Christ are all equally rich in that the world is equally in need of. Every one of us who knows Christ is equally wealthy, is equally rich in this area. And the need of the world around us is equally desperate for this. They will literally die and spend an eternity in hell, separated from God, if we do not show them how they can be saved and be made right with God. We are wealthy in this area. We have Christ. He lives within us. We know him as Lord, and we have the answer that will save them more than any physical need. This is what they need more than anything else. And I think for so many of us, myself included, we are so stingy in this area. We hold it to ourselves because that conversation might be awkward. Friends, we need to be abundantly generous in this area. We need to be so open-handed with the gospel. What would it look like, just for example, what would it look like if each family in this church, if each family picked a family that they can leverage their abundance and serve and share the gospel with, especially with telling them about Christ. What would that look like? If each family, you pick a, pick a family, it's probably on your block. Maybe it's a family that your kids go to school with. And just like intentionally target that family. Pray for them. Look for ways, have them over for dinner. Look for, and they might be a messed up, broken, awkward, difficult family to love. They probably are. If they're on your mind, they probably are. But what would it look like if we intentionally targeted them and showed this, showed them abundant generosity in all of these areas. Again, the question is, questions to reflect on as we close this morning. What am I rich in that others are desperate for? How can I leverage my abundance to help meet the needs of those who have little? Like, how can I, how can I leverage what, what God has given me? How can I leverage my abundance to help meet the needs of those who have little? And then the last one, how can my generosity towards others better reflect God's generosity towards me? God has given me, us, so much. Apart, just, just salvation itself would be enough. But look around at what we have. We have so much. 
And how can my generosity towards others be a better reflection of my gratitude towards him for that? Let me pray for us. Father, we, we have so much. As we, as we take a few more minutes and worship you through, through song, I pray, Lord, that, that we will not just do this with our words, will not just worship you with our words, but that we will worship you with our lives, that, that we will worship you with open hands, with open hearts, with eyes that look to see the needs of those around us and a desire to meet those needs because, Lord, you did that first to us. We love you, Lord, so much. We want to honor you more. It is, it is only out by your grace, by your mercy, that we can even have the ability and the desire to do that. We love you, Lord. We pray it's in your name. Amen.